Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. LD at large. I'm here today with a large group of my very good friends and uh, so I hope you'll all enjoy hearing everybody's uh, viewpoint on a very specific topic today. Joining me I have Matt Giese, technical manager at Clear All Visuals. I have Andy Cass, lighting designer and programmer at C2 Design and Drafting. Scott Shimaleski's chiming in. He is the lighting and media designer, programmer, and owner for DMD Studios. Ryan Kanarek, software support manager at ACT Lighting. And Joe Cabrera, lighting programmer and CEO of Flash and Trash Works. Thank you guys for all for joining me. I really appreciate this. Hey, uh, you're welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, we are here today to discuss GDTF. Uh, this started from a conversation that Andy Cass and I had had a while ago about fixture profiles and how some of them are so messy, but they were designed that way for somebody who really wanted them to be that way. And we're just kind of looking for standardization across the manufacturers and what we can do. And currently GDTF seems to be the current program or the format that everybody's striving for to receipt to achieve these goals. But today I, th I figured I would call on some of the people I know who are dealing with the most to have a, a long discussion about that. So first of all, Matt, if you can kind of tell us what GDTF and more importantly, what it is not. Uh, so GDTF for anybody that doesn't know, it stands for general device type format, which is taking the goal is to take all devices, no matter what type it is, whether it's a media server, whether it's a pyro piece, whether it's a moving light, whether it's a static light, anything that has the ability to be controlled uh, right now through DMX, it, the goal is to get a lot of that information more aligned as every, every device is different in what the feature set is but everything's called something different, even though physically on the output side, it is almost the same as something else. It, it is all relative somehow. So the goal is to take right now, there's thousands of different attribute types or names or anything out there and to really condense it down for the programmers and a better way for the manufacturers to really describe what, their device does, you know, enclose it into a box that can be a full deliverable for anybody that wants this information and can access different parts of it. So but let's say, can, oh, 
Go ahead, Ryan, please. Yeah, so if, I, if I could jump in there real quick. So to, in regards to what it is not, uh, one thing that I think might help clarify is that I would say it's, not, it's actually not a fixture profile. It is a container for all the information about the real, about the way a fixture works in the real world, but it's not actually a fixture profile, right? It's only when you, right? So some consoles currently, like Renome 3 and Campsys, can already read a GDTF file and create a profile for their own system out of it, but it's not actually a fixture profile, right? And it's also usable in other, in other, uh, with, uh, sorry, with other softwares like Vectorworks, Vision, right? Other uh, visualizers, drafting programs. So it's not just a DMX profile. Okay. So who can build GDTF files? The goal right now is to the goal right now is to have manufacturers put all the information of their own devices into a GDTF file. Right now, there is a really there's a real big problem in the world of there are many many profiles for the same fixture mode, and I'll use lighting devices right now as an example. You know, we have probably 12 different profiles out there just for one mode of one light that could be the simplest thing in the world, and it just gets overcomplicated really quick because now we have to have a format for any every control surface that talks differently you know, internally in the way their software is written. This does not help manufacturers at all. It, it negates it. It actually, it's a huge disadvantage for them because they have no control on how their device is supposed to be represented in the real world. By having this container file that has all this information that is already approved by the manufacturers, it's like, this is our correct information. This is exactly how it should be, you know, interpreted as that file can now go into any software that accepts it, utilize the information how they want, look at it, translate it into their application, and now it is fully usable inside their own ecosystem. It's a completely agnostic ecosystem-based file, container, at the end of the day. So the goal is to have manufacturers build them and then have somebody else sign off on them? Or who is the who is the final say on what and how they're built, or is there the a final say? The manufacturers, because it represents their their device. In, okay. In it, it is a public share, so anybody can build their own. Um, they should generally try and follow the guidelines that are outlined in the GDTF wiki. Um, uh, people can build their own, of course, and on the share site there is a flag that. If it's a manufacturer-created profile, like if Ayrton makes their own profiles and uploads them, then there's a flag that they can that can be checked on that upload to say, oh, this was actually created by the manufacturer and has the the information generated from specifically from the manufacturer, as opposed to it was just some random person who said, oh, I need a, I want to make a GDCF file for this fixture. Okay. And there will be like a little a warning on each one that says, hey, this is not the official manufacturer one, but it might be one that you prefer. Yeah, when you, when you go to the GDTF share site, there's, you could, there's just flags for this is, this is, uh, was made by the manufacturer or if it's not, if, it's, if that flag isn't toggled, then it was just some random person who made it. 
there are also yeah. flat flags for like I made I'm a random person who made this, but I did use I do have a real fixture next to me, and I did actually test this file with this real fixture. Okay. So there there are also those flags as well. And so okay. now that information is actually available to the manufacturer if there's something in that profile that was made by a user, which the goal is to not take away from the users. You know, mm -hmm. we, we all know that every user calls some things differently, works differently, has their own workflows. And that's the goal is to not take away from that. But there has to be a, a point of accountability to where if it's not a if it's not a fixture file if it's not a GDTF file made by the manufacturer without that check mark on it, the manufacturer cannot claim responsibility for it, and it is you know like there it's the separation of church and state to an extent. So if I would I would think if there's the manufacturer checked box, this is all of our information correctly vetted. You know there's nothing saying you can't take their GDTF file and mo and modify it. But once it gets modified, it is now not it is now not supported by the manufacturer. Okay. Which is a huge problem because there's a it's not a problem, but that's there's a big misunderstanding out there of oh, I'm going to make my own profile. Nine times out of ten, the profile is built wrong, but the, and the manufacturer is getting blamed that their fixture doesn't work, but it does. But something somewhere got adjusted that shouldn't have been touched, and now mm -hmm. it's sideways. Or there's a firmware update. You know, we all know firmware updates happen. The GDTF files have to be updated. Our users are going to want to go through every firmware update that the manufacturer has now. But, you know, you're going to have a vetted amount of manufacturer files on the share site for firmwares, I would hope. It's like, okay, cool. I'm on this firmware, unfortunately. My vendor didn't update their firmware yet. You know, whatever festival okay. it is. That's a, you know, it's an issue. And to be able to track that is, is very big. Okay. To have revisions of the same files. Okay. The conversation that started this was Andy and I were going back and forth about very simple things like Iris, where one of us thought that Iris closed should be zero and Iris open should be full. And then Iris effects should be a different channel so that you can clone better. You know, and we all had different opinions on how that should be laid out. Is that something that GDTF will, will help us out with? Uh, and that's for Matt. Uh, yes. So it is a, right now, it's a big initiative from what I can tell is to help have manufacturers think differently a, a little bit, not, not completely out of the norm, but you know, we'll use Zoom as an example. Some people call it Zoom, some people call it width. At the end of the day, it's a Zoom. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's physically functioning as a Zoom parameter. So there is no predefined logical channel unless they custom make it, which kind of negates the whole concept of GDTF. Mm -hmm. now, we're, now we're back into this massive circle of unknowns. And the goal is to help manufacturers understand, yes, you know, you guys as a company call it X, but it's really Y. So unfortunately, this is going to require a fair amount of uh, compromise and cooperation across manufacturers to agree on some sort of standardization, which I would imagine is 
more difficult than I would than I can imagine. I I don't think so because it's actually already been happening. Oh, that's good news. Well, it's been happening by the users. Right. If you think about it, all these files that are out there, and I'll just use MA2 as an example because I really the console I use all the time. It's so we have we have the library built by Carolyn. Fantastic. You know, it's I should just a clarify there, right? The library is based on the database of Carolyn. Sorry. It, it it's you know it's written the way it's written, and nine times out of ten users take those files and completely adjust them to their needs. But the files that get adjusted are actually all in common with each other. They end up calling them the same things because the users see them as what they what they see them. Case in point would be the Claypacky BI. On paper, it's called color strobe red, color strobe green, color strobe blue. But in real life, it's red, green, blue. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those files have already been rewritten and it's more of a standardization from the user side of things, which is, you know, lessening all that information out there. And now it's just taking that information and helping the manufacturers understand that. Like, okay. this is really what it is for a user standpoint. So it gets very tricky with multi-instance fixtures, but it gets even trickier when we get into the world of media servers, which is why Scott Shimoleski is here. I would imagine that you come across this more often than anybody else where you just can't fit your your profiles into the 12 boxes that are allotted. So you end up making up to like 20, 30 different boxes to categorize all of your attributes. Uh, do yeah, you think, I think that's where, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, that, that is my comment and I would imagine you have much more to say on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it applies to moving lights and other lighting devices in that there are so many different ways and labeling mechanisms that people use. Um, and the hope of GDTF is to standardize at least some of that uh, with media servers and the ever-evolving sort of profile and ever-evolving um, applications of them. Um, I don't know necessarily that there's a way to have a completely standardized format that the manufacturers can follow. Uh, but what I would hope in this is that by exporting from the media server, much like Disguise currently does where you can export uh, an MA fixture profile directly from it. While it is also a little bit unwieldy, um, it is a good first step. So if you have a fixture profile or you, you patch the media server, the ability to export that as a GTTF, um, uh, even using MVR, to send all that information between your previs, between your 3D visualizer and your console would negate a lot of that back and forth where a manufacturer, a media server manufacturer, calls an attribute one thing, but there's nothing in the console that matches that. So we all wind up having countless which creates that incredibly unwieldy mechanism that we already use. So like in Mbox, if I've got file and folder, or folder and file, and then I go to a, uh, uh, something different that doesn't have the same labeling. I just can't, I can't clone it anymore. Whereas if do you think GDTF is something that will actually be able to help me clone 
things that are just missing to one another? Well, I, I would hope that um, a little bit of the standardization across media servers, whether it be called bank and file, folder and file, uh, so that there's at least a starting point between the five or six major media, ser media server manufacturers out there. Because uh, if, they, if they all get on board with that, then, uh, you know, then everyone else will follow. And I do feel that uh, you know, probably 50 or 60% of what, what every media server does and is capable of shares at least that much of similar attributes. So most of that can have a standardization. Mm -hmm. And then when they uh, come yeah. out with a new feature, they have to go to the GDTF format and say, okay, well, how are we going to fit this in here? Uh, I mean, I think it's much like what's already happening. It's going to add on and manufacturers are, uh, you know, pretty hesitant uh, to just, you know, to quickly add features and sets that are off the software bills because they know that anyone that has an existing personality or an existing profile uh, will have a very tough time adding that, that new information. And if you change the DMX channel set of any fixture, a, a media server or a light, uh, it can have big ripple effects for pre-existing programming. I, I, I might want to let Matt speak about uh, you know, how that would function in the future where you know, we're adding and changing things doesn't break or gives us a new mechanism to add things in easily to do a little bit of like the, the reshuffle and the reorganizing much, much more efficiently than it happens now. So if, you know, if a new feature set or a new DMX channel is added, and I've, you know, I've seen this five or six times already in the last year, major feature sets get added to media servers, uh, but that means we have to go back and almost start from zero at times with, with existing programming because they have to add channels in the middle. They can't just tail things on to the backside. Uh, Ryan, I thought you had something to comment. Yeah, there. so uh, I think there were a couple things in there to to, te to unpack. Uh, so one is part of the challenge with media servers these days. I think is that there are several there are several uh, media server manufacturers where you can customize your DMX map to your own needs right so with that with that type of scenario where it's like oh for this particular show i only need these features which are these chat which are going to be these channels but in this other show i need a completely different combination of features which is going to be a completely different combination of channels so in terms of standardization as scott as you're saying that's that's certainly tricky um but what GDTF potentially gives there is the ability to say, I have a show that was programmed with this lighting console, and now we're going to tour that show with this other lighting console. We're still going to use the same media server, but it's going to be a different lighting console. But now I don't have to rebuild that profile from scratch because all of the information is still in that GDTF file. I think there is still going to be, I'm, I think GDTF will still, might not be as helpful there uh, with with those custom media servers, uh, custom media server profiles anyway. As I said, kind of going back to that point earlier about GDTF not being a fixture profile, because it's describing the real fixture or the real device, right? Let's say a, the, the, the physical device, whether it's a light or a media server, right? The there are certain there are um, other 
aspects of fixture profiles that are console specific, right? There are some things in a fixture profile that might be very specific to how, to, to a fix with a fixture profile to how GrandMA2 works, which might be different than fixture profile on GrandMA3 works, which might be different from a fixture profile on CAMSYS works, which might be different from a fixture profile on how uh, EOS console works, right? So those details aren't included in the GDTF file because they're console specific, not device specific. So for those types of profiles where you say, oh, I have my profile laid out for, um, you know, for uh, disguise and I use MA, so that's what I'm, so I'm just going to keep it as my personal GrandMA3 disguise profile. And that's, and you just don't use GDTF for that because that is very specific and not general, not generalizable, I think that's the word, to, um, to other consoles. Yeah. Right. The whole goal is to, yeah. sorry, uh, to expand on that really quick. Yeah, the whole ahead. goal is to find all the common features. So like right now, I'll just use Hippo and D3 because those are the two that I know the most. And uh, Mbox, they, they have predefinable, you know, predefined DMX charts for control. Fantastic. Those would be, in my mind, a GDTF file because those are something that are always common to the server. Now, when it gets into the custom, the customization side of what Ryan was saying, that negates the whole using GDTF at that point is not, it, honestly, I wouldn't recommend it because it's not general device anymore. It's custom device. You know, we customized the server to do something outside of what they predefined for us. And, you know, whether, if it's good for that show, great. If it's not, then now that is, specific and it's no longer needed to be a general device type unless like what ryan said that's going to go to another control platform or you know take all the information that you made and that profile can now go into any other device that you wanted to send or have control to and from right or for the most like i usually use you know disguise d3 or but for this specific show i for whatever reason we have to use hippo so then maybe you take your um, so rather than having to build a hippo profile from scratch, maybe you take your customized disguise profile, turn it into a GDTF file, which will convert as much of it as it can, right? Which again may not be the specifics that you're used to from this specific console, um, and then turn that into a hippo profile. And that's that's where I see uh, the biggest benefit, the biggest potential benefit with media servers and high channel count you know, user-specific fixtures is that if the, the media servers are able to export, uh, as opposed to a, a layer profile coming from the manufacturer, which should absolutely happen to get people started, but using your example between Hippo and Disguise, what they do to a layer, how they control an individual layer at its core is very, very different. There's, there's very few similarities between the two. So the ability to export direct from the media server possibly changing a little bit of the workflow that we use. So when you start on your media server, you patch your number of layers, you build your 3D, 3D geometry, uh, and then exporting that, that MVR and that, uh, and that fixture, the GTBF fixture, uh, directly from there uh, enables you to only have to patch what you need 
you know, as long as the, the media server manufacturer has followed the, the rules, the standardized, the standardization that's been put out there, bringing that over to the console becomes exponentially easier, uh, as well as when they add f new features, that, especially to change channel sets. Um, it enables us to sort and organize uh, a little bit easier on that side, as opposed to going in and breaking down fixture profiles on individual consoles. So, you know, having a little bit of brains behind that, which is already there uh, between, you know, Vectorworks and previous softwares and media servers using MBR and the GTTF, um, but having that on the media server side and having that be a standardized feature that they're all using, I think would save a lot of, uh, a lot of headache and a lot of confusion about different fixture profiles, as well as uh, the countless you know, countless features that are in a media server on, on an individual layer. Yeah, one other um, thing I wanted to sort of, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe GDTF has, you can have an attribute with like a pretty name, like what you actually want to see when you're looking at the encoder or at the, you know, at, the, at your fixture sheet or whatever. And then there's the, also the, like the library name quote unquote, which is like, this is what we're calling it in the background to have a standard name. But for your purposes, you can look at it using this name. So like taking the, the, right, taking like the file and the folder example, if you wanted to call that something else, um, that's put right, like image pool and image, right? Like for the VPU, right? The VPU was you used uh, image pool or iPool and image, right? But if you wanted to call that those, but actually in the background, it would be there would be a consistent library name, which should help with some of that data conversion if you have to switch between profiles. And uh, is there a, a maintaining force out there that is managing what those standardized processes are like using using the emoji uh, using the emoji library as an example? There is a consortium of people that vote every year to say we're going to add these ten emojis to the list. And then they become a universal, universally available. Is there a, a force, a committee, a group that is managing that so that that standardized GTDF format that people are building these fixture libraries from doesn't immediately become unwieldy with 8,000 different attribute types or parameter types? Now, you can call it whatever you want on your side. However, we have to reference Zoom, we have to reference Iris, we have to reference these baseline, this baseline information, we have to reference file and folder, so that you know, no matter what you call it, it's, it's going to that much more curated list that GTTF can follow. It yeah, I believe who's out there that manages that. From what I understand, um, it's, there are representatives right now from the three founding partners, I, I think, that's about all I know, because they're the only ones that have access. Yeah, to I mean, yeah. So there's there's a GDTF work group which was initially just those three founding partners, right? MA, Roby, and Vectorworks. But there are other. But it's uh, anybody who wants, to, like any manufacturers who want to contribute and be a part of how this develops, can, as far as I understand, can join. You know, can can reach out to that group and say, hey, we want to we want to help, um, sort of make sure that this goes in a direction that is usable for everybody. 
Okay. So let's say somebody like Andrew Cass, Joe, Scott, and I, we want our input into those 10 standardized new attributes. Do we go to the share site? Do we contact our manufacturer? Do we contact uh, who's, who's the best point to reference? I think for now it's the, there's a forum on the GDTF share site. I think the for the forum is pretty active at the moment. Okay. It's probably yeah. the best place to go at the moment. Cause again, it's not like, yes, MA is a founding partner or founding member. Yeah. Um, but it's not, this isn't for, this isn't just for MA. This is for, right. for everyone. Okay. Somebody had to be the, somebody had to start this process and Correct. it just happened to be these three companies that did it. Correct. But is there, is there anything stopping this format from becoming as unwieldy as it currently is? You know, so, so that we, again, we don't have 8,000 parameter types to choose from so that there's like, so that there's an, F, an SDK, you know, no one can go outside of an SDK. Right. That, yeah. So that in my mind is where the, I'm going to call it training for lack of a better term, training the people that end up making the files for the manufacturers internally, you know, whoever builds them for them. The big disconnect right now is engineering level versus user level. It's a huge disconnect. To say the least. And the, so the goal of GDTF is to mitigate that disconnect the best it can with physical, like the, the GDTF definitions that are on the wiki are, they are designed to explain the physical functionality inside the device. So like inside on the wiki, there's definitions of what each attribute is. It's not like, oh, this is just a, for Zoom, it's not a Zoom parameter. It's something that defines the, a beam and whether it's you know the size of the beam, which a user for years we've known as Zoom. That's how it's been defined. That is the accepted term. But what device, what are they calling it internally at the manufacturer level, whether it's with something, something else, something else, they need to look for that definition that describes what that function is. And they're going to come back and go, oh, that's Zoom. Okay, this is my Zoom parameter. And that, that's, the, that's the goal and the biggest thing behind it is it's interesting. It took me a while to figure this out. Um, like as of two months ago, I just learned why the node definitions were defined the way they were. They're there to define physical functionality of the device not what we think it should be, but physically it's doing something. So what is the most common term for this physical function between all the devices? Great, it's color mix red, color add red. Awesome. Or right, it, right. I have, an additive, I have an additive color mixing system and so, and I have red, green, and blue and amber and warm white attributes for that, so those get called that. Oh, but we're calling warm white CTO or whatever fancy name internally they want to call it. But when they define it, oh, this is the actual definition of it? Cool. This is actually the parent, the attribute of X. Yeah, that, that, the wiki does have like, you know, this attribute might be called, you know, might be called this, 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 or this. In you know before it might have been called this 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 or this but we're gonna call it this, right? This is the library name for that. Yeah. Now 
a part of, I mean, to answer your question, what's preventing this from happening? You, there are always going to be devices that have new, you know, new features that ha we hadn't thought of before, right? So GDTF doesn't, like, you can, it is still possible to create your own custom attributes, which means that eventually, like, there's nothing stopping somebody from going and making a whole bunch of custom attributes. But if the manufacturers follow the guidelines of this physical functionality of the real device is going to be called this, then, again, going back to Matt's point of, like, those, the using the fixture, using the manufacturer uh, definitions of, or using the base manufacturer GDTF files as your sort of come back here to start and then modify, then that should help prevent too much of that, um, you know, Pandora's box. Yeah. So of, I, I'm, I'm of, very, yeah. I'm very, very teeter totter on the whole adding custom. Cause I mean, we've all seen what it's done. We've all seen mm -hmm. the full database of crap that's out there, no matter what control platform it is. We've all seen the custom crazy names and the 8,000 attributes that we've all had to scroll through to figure out what the hell it's actually looking at. And it's, you know, it causes nothing but just headache at the end of the day. So I, I'm very teeter-tottery right now with having that even open in GDTF because going back to your point, Scott, that does kind of open up what Ryan said, Pandora's box of all these things coming back to life. But, you know, the accountability is now on the users. And this is where it gets very interesting. Okay. Let's try a very simple uh, example. Let's say a moving light has pan and tilt and a, and a media server has X and Y. The two are similar, but they're definitely not the same. Would GDTF even give us the ability to force manufacturers of media servers to be like, look, just call it pan and tilt now. Even though we know it's not pan and tilt and it's X and Y, could we go too far? Or that is that too on, far? It would depend on how the manufacturer is viewing that attribute. How are they defining it first? You know, internally. Yeah, the, the, the GDTF group is certainly like aware of the fact that media servers pro are programmed, not, are not always the program the exact same way as you would program a moving line. Mm -hmm. So, so, now I have certainly seen um, DMX charts of fixtures that said X and Y when it was actually pan and tilt. Mm -hmm. So in the in that GDTF wiki, I'm pretty sure under the pan attribute there is like an alternate. Like sometimes this is called X and Y instead of pan and tilt. Um, but as I believe there is still the option to be like, no, I'm making a media server. I actually do want to call this. X and Y or something like that. Plus there's also going to be eventually, I mean, there's the, you know, X, X Y, Z programming, right? Sometimes you're doing X, Y, Z programming with fixtures. Mm -hmm. um, That's a perfect yeah. example of where that, where that confusion happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's an, and any media server that is thinking about position in terms of X and Y may very well also be thinking about Z uh, as a as a toward the camera away from the camera type of thing, right. so there's not a direct correlation necessarily mm -hmm. to pan and tilt. 
Um, but as Scott mentioned, yeah, you, you might be doing XYZ programming as well as pan tilt programming uh, on a moving light within the console mm -hmm. if the console is capable. So yeah, it's, it is possible to kind of cross that line, like you said, of being too strict about saying, well, we really should call it pan tilt. Yeah, I agree. I'm just wondering if there is a possibility of, you know, clearly we can't go to 8,000 parameters, but we also can't go to 12 either. We, we just can't, we're not all dealing with VL5s anymore where it's pan, tilt, RGB, and intensity. So uh, in, in, in fairness, the VL5 used to call it uh, amber instead of yellow. That's right. That's right. You can't, I, I would... <laughs> I wouldn't know how to even include Amber anymore because we know that it's just CMY now to, if you throw an Amber, you're just going to, you're going to throw it off again. Yeah. Um, Ryan and Matt, you guys might be the best one for this one, but let's say Andrew and I are violently opposed on which direction uh, Iris is supposed to be. He thinks it's supposed to be one direction where zero is full or zero is open, and I think 100 should be open, we can still manipulate the GDTF after we download it, correct? 100%. Okay. But yeah, that's part of, so that, that's part of what I was saying before about going back to GDTF files not being fixture profiles, right? You import the GDTF file, it, the console reads the information in it and basically turns that into Let's use GrandMA3 as, as an example here, right? It turns it into a GrandMA3 picture profile, right? Okay. You could start from that same uh, fixture profile or GDTF file, customize customize it to say, oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Iris run this way, I'm gonna have Iris run that way, I'm gonna have Zoom run this way, I'm gonna have Zoom run that way, and okay. then also at the same time customize your other console specific settings. Okay. Um, you know, like, oh, maybe I want, uh, you know, I, I like my my pan and tilt to be inverted. Okay. Right. I yep. just like them to run this other way, right? That's a console-specific thing, not, or even more, that's a user-specific thing, right? So then you could say, okay, well, I've, now that I now that I started with this GDTF file and I've made my GrandMA3 fixture profile and I've customized it the way I want, now I'm going to save that as a GrandMA3 fixture profile on my USB stick. Got and it. I'll just use that GrandMA3 fixture profile rather than going back and re-downloading the, the um, re-downloading the GDTF file. Yeah. But then, but then, Chris, you say, "Oh, I my USB stick, I left it in the desk somewhere, or it died, or something." Hey, Andy, can I, can I get your pro, your um, your profile? Right, you could do that, or you could say, "You know what? I actually, I'm going to start from the GDTF file again." Or okay. you could say, hey, Andy, can you export your GrandMA3 profile back out as a GDTF file, which will discard all the specific custom console settings and go back to the just what the fixture description is. So you don't have, so then it's like, okay, well, this is Iris, you know, physically Iris's minimum at this DMX value, maximum at this DMX value, right? Because that's fixture specific, not and, that, and that's, uh, that's the whole point of GDTF is to have the information not designed for, it's not designed to have the users to learn how to program the same attributes. That's not, that's not the goal of it. 
GDTF is to be that container that has the correct information that can be interpreted however it needs to be interpreted pending the platform it's going to. So we all know Hog reads different, you know, they program differently, Champs programs differently. Every, every software does something differently and it's totally fine. That's nothing wrong with that. But this is giving the manufacturers the base platform for their information to be correctly submitted. It's like submitting an essay. Here is all my exact information. Here's exactly what you need to know about everything about this device. Take with it as you will, have fun. You know, it's mm -hmm. not a profile at the end of the day. It is a massive container of information for people to utilize. Okay. Andrew, I saw you had a question. Yeah, so can you guys tell me a little bit about what 3D information gets held in the GDTF file? Because that's where this conversation kind of came from was that those of us that work in 3D a lot end up having to alter 3D attributes as opposed to real life attributes to get what we need out of 3D. Is there a solution there in GDTF? I mean, once it's built by the manufacturer and it's tested, it should be tested against 3D and real world before it gets released or else, in my opinion, that is false information from the manufacturer. Yeah, but the, the GDTF file doesn't or can include 3D information as well. Yeah. And it, it also includes, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it includes all of the idiosyncrasies of a lighting fixture, uh, whether it's a three-way a three or four-way prism, all the gobo, the actual gobo information. Every single thing that you can put into this file, you can in it like all the way down to a nut and a bolt if you really wanted it inside the 3D visualization part of it can be in this entire file. But every not, not little thing. With the way the fixture actually outputs that information. Correct. Full photometrics, utilize, you know, wavelengths, all that information that is publicly available is now available in this container to be utilized by whatever application it wants. If it's going does, to, like, does, sorry, does, does it also include things like, uh, uh, for instance, shortcut movement on a color wheel, where if you go from color one to, uh, you know, the last color on the wheel on the fixture, it may flip through zero. So you get that white pop in between as opposed to necessarily going the long way around the wheel. And in some fixtures, that's a mode setting that you can actually change from a control channel. So are we getting down to that kind of granularity? You, like right now, you know, since you're changing the control parameter, yes, but that, in theory, that should be defined. I can't quite speak to whether it is right now. Like there's a lot yeah, of information. I'm not sure if that, if that level of detail is uh, supported yet. I mean, GDTF is still, the, the spec is still on the, what's supported is still evolving, so. But yes, that information should be available. We'll just use uh, Depends, you know, if they, I know they don't, they utilize MVR really, really well. They don't use the GGTF files, which is totally fine. That's fantastic, actually. They're a great example right now. And an MVR file contains the GGTF files. It contains all this information. They disregard all of it because they have their own, you know, they have their own proprietary way of doing it. You know, they have their own vetted fixtures and that's totally fine whether they utilize that information or not. But if that information is available and if they want to use it, then yes, it should be in there. Okay. Let's say something like random strobe 
if I do, is that going to be accurate? Is that going to be the same in 3D and live? If you get the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, that's a really tricky one. Okay. Pro uh, yeah, that one probably not. But here's the question. Does it need to be? It's random. Yeah. Well, yes. There, there are some fixtures that even if you set them to a random strobe, you'll actually see them all pop at the same time in sort of the first frame before they actually break up and become random. And that's mm -hmm. something that you would only see in real life with a bunch of fixtures, not just one in front of you that you may not replicate in 3D. True. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm doubtful that the, that the random algorithms. Okay. Well, and I think that, the, that goes on to the visual, the visualizer at that point, you know, okay. are they looking it? Will the visualizer support that information? Uh, let's you know, so let's take it to another step. It. Let's say a magic panel where the first in the effect is an A and then it goes through the alphabet. Will there be a place in GDTF where we can upload even that information? Yes. Mm -hmm. It exists right now. <laughs> that is good news. The GDTF. Whether, whether visualizers support it or not, I know MA3 is not there yet. I, I have been deeply into that right now. Um, but yes, that information, there is a place to insert it if the manufacturers would like to. Yeah, if you look at the GDTF builder, uh, one of the tabs across the top is macros. And okay. that macro allows you to go and define at this setting what combination of things would happen inside the light. So cool. X4s, X4Ls, you know, anything that is a predefined macro, if the information is inserted and the visualizers read it, you know, that's a whole, you know, cat and dog show right there. <laughs> Yeah, that's come up before where I've done a, been doing a 3D version and presenting it to a client. He's like, well, can, aren't those the magic panels? Can't they do, can't you spell stuff? Spell stuff right now. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll have to do that on site. He's like, oh, what? I thought it was going to, I mean, I have to just imagine it until show site. Yes, you still have to, but now. Pull out Photoshop real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, GDTF is not going to fix those problems in softwares. Obviously, you know, it'll have the ability to give them the information. Whether the softwares take that information or not is completely up to them. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's all right. The GDTF file is about containing the information. Here's the information, do with it as you will. What can be done with that information? Obviously, Vectorworks will be able to understand it. Uh, most of the consoles, visualizers is that is that where is that where we're going with it? is that or is there anything beyond whoever, whoever whoever wants it um i mean the the biggest thing between when you're shipping information so when you're talking about vectorworks what do you mean what kind of information would you be looking for inside vectorworks uh, i i have a couple of questions when it comes to that uh and it would be uh the weight of the fixture and the maximum power draw of the fixture uh, I didn't necessarily see those, and maybe I missed it. I didn't see those listed in the GDTF builder as something that you can add in, but they would certainly be very handy from a Vectorworks standpoint to be able to understand how I need to rig the show. I think that's a hard one to define once you get clamps added on. That's a, you know, how, how, where, where is the where is the dividing line at that point, I guess? Because clamps and whips and all that information, you know, that's a lot of variables right there. Well, yeah, clamps and cables, that's, that's all going to be additional. But if you can at least start from, from the base fixture itself, 
that's a that's a huge starting point and and a question that you know any rigger is going to ask you yeah i don't know if that's included but that's certainly something you could uh, post on the gdtf share forum as a wish i i don't disagree that it shouldn't be in there i mean i totally agree 100 yeah. percent. when we're drafting information we have to send those files out 100 okay. percent agree uh, so, one, one of the things that we haven't really covered yet is MVR. Can you guys fill me in on what the difference between GDTF and MVR is? Uh, Scott, I would imagine you have a more specific question on those lines. Uh, I have a question about it, but I think uh, Mr. Giese can speak to what it is, what it's supposed to be, and then I can field the question. Okay. So, definably, GDTF is, a, is one type of container file, and an MVR extension is another type of container file. MVR files are more global for moving all the information of a scene or project, in our case, from one program to another that accepts MVR files, which in turn, if there are GDTF files inside the project being used, those are also contained for the information of the devices that are being used. So right now I would be able to build an entire scene in MA or in uh, Vision. Uh, there's the only two that I know that have exporting MVR implemented. I can bring those into Vectorworks. And now instead of trying to interpret information from a design team that if that's where they came from, I can now draw and assign what I need to inside Vectorworks. And then I and can then, send that. Right, and then re-export that back out of Vectorworks. And file and back it. to yeah. you and go, here you go. Here's the update. Here's your updated file. Help answer anything? <laughs> well, that, I, I think that uh, describes what it, what it is meant for. Uh, the question that I have is, uh, is there interoperability between uh, Vectorworks and Lighting Consoles so that uh, using a case, case here, uh, a designer at Coachella, the, the master stage designer, sends me a Vectorworks file, which we then turn into uh, a previous file and a show file that, that goes out to each respective artist at the show. Uh, before that happens, we vet every, every fixture profile so that there is a, a standardization. But so, so the, if I determine that the fixture profile that the designer's using, the G GDTF fixture profile that the designer is using and drew from, is incorrect or not up to date, can I then send him information back uh, with, with an MVR or GTTF fixture to update that so that that resides in the master vector works file and it sits in all of our previs and baseline show files for, again, using the festival as, as a perfect example of that. Yes. Can MVR be re-imported and is it, uh, is it smart information? Does Vectorworks remember it or see it in the way that it was originally exported, such as layers and classes, or is it just imported as geometry and metrics? No, so uh, just like with GDTF online in the wiki, there's an MVR portion of it that has the same definition styles, and it does respect um, layers, classes, any organization that you, you have done inside Vectorworks and now that so we like you said you updated the vector you updated 3d gdtf files cool you sent that back to the drafting team inside vectorworks 
they now merge in the new MVR file and they're, they are now the master document. Cool. From there, you are now able to take that MVR file and distribute it to the artists as here is our entire scene and here's all the correct information after you've vetted it, after your colleagues have vetted it, you know, everybody's agreed on everything. Now it's all updated and changed and good to go, Ryan. Yeah, so if you think of it like in MA, you have your fixtures and the fixtures all reference a fixture profile, right? Which could have been, ba which could have been based on a GDTF file. In Vectorworks, you have your fixture objects and you can link a GDTF file to the fixture objects so that what you draft, you arrange stuff however you like, you say, oh, these objects are all linked to this GDTF file. And when you export that from Vectorworks, you, as an MVR, you have your fixture objects, which are all referencing a particular GDTF file. You import that into MA and you have your MA patch with all your fixtures, which are also referencing that same fixture profile that turned that came from the GDTF file that was read from the GDTF file, right? And then if you swap out the GDTF file on either end, right, the, GDT, the new GDTF file comes along with that, with the new MVR file, and it's the same objects, just referencing a, an updated GDTF file. Because, yeah, internally inside the MVR file, there are IDs for each fixture, and then those fixtures can also reference another ID, which is the new GDTF file. So that, that scene now is an update on the push. And just as an extra point there is that if you, with Vectorworks currently, if you don't link a GDTF file to the objects, then when you export it, it will automatically create a dummy GDTF file for you. And it also does that for 3D objects as well. So it brings like all the three objects that you've drawn in Vectorworks get exported as individual GDTF files as well, which means that they come along for your visualizer. And when that is imported back into a, a console or visualizer or back into Vectorworks, does it duplicate that information? So if I have 400 moving lights and we change that GTDF fixture somewhere in the process, is that then duplicated in Vectorworks if we bring that back into draw to redraw it or to add something to the file? No. So since the fixtures each had their own unique ID when they were first created, those are now the IDs until something new gets added. So right now I'm able to take just a grid of 100 X4s, cool. Those all now have their own individual IDs. I can export that. I'm going to, oh, we need another grid of these above it. Okay. Duplicate inside you know, control platform of choice, re-export the MVR file, load it back in, it sees that there is updates of the originals, if applicable, and there's new information. So here it all is. It still reads the same unique IDs that are originally from the start. Okay. I will say that I do think both MA and MA3 and Vectorworks are still in progress in terms of when you import, being able to decide whether you're replacing the entire thing, you're just taking updates, right? Just taking changes, that sort of thing. I think those those are still works in progress, I believe. Uh, in Vectorworks, you do have the option to update 
only. Okay. Update in, or add new. Do you happen to know in Vectorworks, is it possible to assign a fixture definition GTTF uh, file to a non-lighting fixture object? I don't know. I mean, I, right I, now, don't, I don't know offhand either. I'm not a Vectorworks specialist. Um, but I mean, I know that GTTF, that the objects create, are non-lighting objects create GDTF files when they're exported. That would lead me to think that you could be able to target, right? Because that's how you get your 3D objects into it. Are you talking, like say we had a cryocan or some sort of special effects device kind of thing, Joe? Uh, no, it's more specifically for if someone who's creating a, a very large rig uh, in Vectorworks uh, would prefer to use objects that are not the specific lighting uh, fixture, object because putting you know a couple of thousand of those into a vectorworks drawing can really slow down your computer if you're using objects that aren't lighting fixtures um, but represent lighting fixtures as you look at them in the drawing um, that breaks the um, the current export option that we have for grandma 2 because they're not lighting fixtures um, and then if I can't assign them a GTTF lighting fixture type uh, file, then that would also be broken moving forward. Correct. So from what I understand, just in my tests back and forth, um, it does, in Vectorworks, it does need to be a lighting device as that's where they currently have it put in to have the option to select what GDTF mode would you like to use on this? Because it's it, the GDTF like the, another great thing to post on the GDTF forum. <laughs> I mean, I would post that on the forum. I would think, that's not, also that's not necessarily a GDTF specific thing. You know, sure, that's sure. that's that's uh, asking vectors. Yeah, it's a vector for. Yeah. Hey, it would be cool to have this information looked at over here yeah. too. But and, and then that would transfer going back to the MVR part of this. That would go you know export your MVR. Now all that information is still carried over. Yeah. So. And Ryan, uh, does uh, I know we can import MA, uh, VR into MA3. Uh, will it export MVR? Yes, it already does. It already does export uh, MVR. Um, it does not like uh, I said. Vectorworks creates dummy GDTF files. If you didn't like them, MA3 does not do that at the moment. But so it will, it will only export right. It will only export the GDTF files that you've actually used. Okay, so again, if you think things physically change in the world, trusses move, lights move, so we don't have to go and redraw those in in backwards. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah, you could uh, you could if you wanted, you could start in MA, just say, oh yeah, this looks cool in 3D, export that, import it into Vectorworks, or clean, another you know, clean things up, get your paperwork set, whatever, make some changes, export that back out, import it into MA3 so that you have your updated positioning and everything. And in the, the biggest thing to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest thing to remember is every program is looking for the MVR file information differently or utilizing it differently. So you still have to follow the internal rules of the application that you're bringing the MVR file into. Uh, case in point would be Vectorworks right now. So we, we make a truss hanging position. Fantastic. Lights are associated with the hanging position. 
all of that information is tangled together inside the MVR file. There's, there are absolute relationships for it. And they're, they follow inside the file everywhere. If you create a new hanging position or just a piece of truss that in, in we'll just use MA3D right now, and you send that backwards, it's now just gonna come in as a 3DS file. It is not, it's, Vectorworks isn't gonna know that it's a hanging position because it has no reference to it. Sure. You know, so it, those are the small caveats of just playing by the rules of each software, you know, which is always a thing. Makes sense. So I'm representing Ayrton in this discussion and we are, we're fully on board with GDTF. Let's say we've got a team of people, they're working and at three in the morning, they're doing a GDTF file and they upload it and they believe everything's good and something's mistaken. And then it makes it to, like, let's say your studios, Matt, and you find the, like, well, this beam angle has an extra zero. It's, it's not a 600 degree beam angle, it's a 60. What do we... What's the process of fixing Coming that? Coming next from Ayrton, 600 degree beaming. <laughs> there you go. Sounds like the mega flare. Did we break some, did we break some news here? <laughs> so, uh, so what you're asking is if a file gets uploaded to the share and, you know. And it's, it's wrong. Clicked, manufacturer verified, whatever other verified, you know, et cetera. Say that gets out to the world. Yeah. How do you get that back? Uh, what is the process? Let's say you discover that it's wrong. What's the process for you to say, I mean, do you have to email the manufacturer? Can you just fix it yourself? What's well, you can totally fix it yourself. Um, but it, yeah. it's, it's hard. You could fix know. it yourself. Yeah. Like you could fix it yourself and upload a, upload a copy. And then you can also comment on files on the share site. So you could be like, Hey, Chris or whoever made the, whoever posted these profiles for, for these um, GDTF files for Airden. Hey, I just noticed that your beam angle is 10 times, the beam angle in the profile in the file is 10 times as big as it actually is in real life. So you might want to fix that and then upload, uh, you know, a, a new revision of the file. Okay. And then does Ayrton copy and paste over the original one or do we have to do a new one? It would say, be an Look, we version. fixed it. It would be an up version. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you it it is possible to to delete files that you've uploaded, but you could also just leave them as revisions. Okay. I mean, I would think you would delete any file that you don't want up there. Just yeah. It's now representing Ayrton, and it's like, oh crap. <laughs> right. We don't need that up there. No, we, we can't. <laughs> right. And if you had in instances where you had where you came out with a new fixture firmware revision, you could. Those old the revision that had that let's say it had a new you added a channel or a particular channel is now laid out differently, right? The you could keep both revisions of the chart in the GDTF file. Okay. So that if there are people who are using uh, fixtures that haven't been updated, who haven't had their firmware updated yet, they could still use that the newer version of the of the GDTF file. Okay. Uh, in regards to 3D stuff, I know that Andrew, you're you're constantly trying to either update or fix some things you've found. Uh, how's that been working out for you? Are you reaching out to manufacturers? Or are you going to the share site? 
Well, yeah, just like it's, it's this is the same battle that GGTF was here to fix. It happens with the visualizers and the fact that the manufacturers of the visualizers are trying to keep up with an ever-changing amount of information coming from what's out there in the lighting world. So, you know, they, they you know, MA3D, you can really get under the hood and do a lot of your own, but most of these visualizers, you have to communicate with them to make changes to a profile. So, my you know, my hope is that the manufacturers of the visualizers now have a place to go to keep up with what's going on with current fixtures and profiles so that I don't have to tell them all the time what new fixture I need them to make me a profile for for 3D. Yeah, so this goes back to how the software is, what the application is and how it's set up. Um, MA3, we all know that it's going to utilize information in a GDTF file because that's how they're getting their information for 3D. Depends, WYSIWYG, L8, uh, whatever other capture. I don't know. I can't, I don't know about capture. They have their own internal libraries. Yeah. Same and now, if they, if they do not utilize the GDTF information that is given to them, that is on them. That is not on the manufacturer or the device manufacturer at that point. The fact that they don't want to use it is totally fine. You know, we're not saying you have to use this information, but here is the correct information that we are giving you. Do with it as you will. Right. You don't have to scrap your own library of vetted fixture profiles, but it might do, might serve you well to, uh, not you, Andy, but like you visualizer, <laughs> uh, uh, you visualizers to, um, to, fi to make, to make a way to import GDTF files and turn those into your own fixture profile format. Or at least let the GDTF file do all the heavy lifting and then take it into your proprietary way that works for your, right, your code base. rendering algorithms. And then take it, you know, don't wait yeah. on the light to get there. Don't wait on all this crap that we always wait on, you know, to be a verified file from the vision, from the application that, I mean, they can only build what they know. And if they're just building off a DMX chart that only has X amount of information in it, that's kind of pointless. It makes no sense. That's the old way of doing things. This way gives them all the information that is, here's the physics of it, here's how it works, here's the motor speed, here's all this information. Okay, cool, take it, shove it into your code base, and away you go. You know, it should, in my mind, this should sufficiently speed up getting those files, pending the manufacturer, or pending the software application. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I wanted to ask about motor speed. That's something that we that is going to be in that is in GDTF that can also translate to 3D. Yep. Cool. Uh, representing Ayrton again. Let's say we have the GDTF file. We're very happy with them. We should we put them on our website and on the GDTF share or just the GDTF share? Speaking as a user, um, the GDTF share would be the the first place I would look. For that information and if I didn't see it there then I would look at your website um, but I do think it's a good idea to have it in both places because some people will want to go the other way with that thinking that they don't want to go trudging through the, the the rest of the options in the GDTF share site right. and they or just want to go straight a, to the horse's mouth yeah. or at least have a direct link to those to where you've posted them on the GDTF share if you don't want to actually host them twice and have to replace them twice Okay. Just at least have a, at least have a a link on your website to the, to that to the actual page where they're uh, okay. posted on the share site. 
Yeah, whatever is the most efficient at the end of the day, you know, it's where you're, whoever the manager is of these files doesn't have to go do the same work three times. Uh, so Scott Shumilisky, are you the same? You would, you would go to the GDTF share first looking for stuff like that? I mean, that's, uh, you know, going to the share sites is always my first check and where we can see uh, what has been vetted, especially those by colleagues and in this case, manufacturers. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and then to a manufacturer's website which are often not updated uh, nearly as frequently or checked on for that matter. Well, yeah, and this actually goes, this goes back to your, your um, uh, beam width uh, accident example in that uh, if the manufacturer has put up something that does have an error in it, uh, it's, it's oftentimes possible that a user will find that, fix it, have an updated version available before the manufacturer has gotten into work that morning. So it, those tend to be uh, pretty well up to date and, and specific in the ways that programmers are going to think about these things and not necessarily the other way around. Cool. Well, I feel uh, exponentially more aware and educated about GDTF. Uh, does anybody have any more questions or comments before we, before we go? I feel like this is, I know way more than I did before we started this. I think one, I mean, one thing to add is, just generally speaking to anybody who is listening, um, all seven of you, sorry, no, <laughs> um, is, uh, is to keep putting pressure on the manufacturers to, to actually build these GDTF files, right? Because if, the, if their users aren't asking people to, you know, for, for, the, for the fixture manufacturers, if the users aren't, asking people to, aren't asking the manufacturer for it, then they have no incentive to, to do it. For the, for users of visualizers and consoles and drafting programs, same thing, right? The, those developers have no incentive to implement being able to read and use GDTF or MVR if people aren't asking for it. So make sure you keep asking for it, keep putting pressure on them to actually use this stuff now that it's available. Okay. So coincidentally, and, and just to, to reiterate that, that statement there, Cat uh, uh, and I just uh, finished shooting a, uh, another segment for the M, uh, MA Lighting's uh, Human Talks video series. Um, and we were talking about GDTF and just basics, none of the, the real specifics that we've gone into here. Um, but that was one of the points that we do make in that video is that we all do need to keep that pressure on manufacturers because it really is, they're the best source of this information and them being really diligent about putting that information together and putting it out there and accessible to the rest of us really allows us to show their products in the best light possible. Yeah. And again, it's not just the fixture manufacturers. You also need to be talking, you know, all of us use MA, but for people out there who don't use MA, right, if you're using EOS or HOG or CAMSYS or AVO or whatever, you still need to be putting pressure on your manufacturer as well to, uh, on your console manufacturer as well to, to implement something, to implement this. Yeah, like to drive it home, these aren't the, the these files are not user group specific. They are for the entire entertainment community as a, as a whole. Every user base across the entire entertainment industry is who is what this, you know, what this concept is trying to help. It's not trying to help 
you know, when the, when the founders created this, they weren't looking at it from their own personal interests. They were looking at it from a larger community scope. This is here to help all the users, anybody that, you know, needs this information across the entire board of entertainment. Right on. That, uh, that all makes perfect sense to me. I look forward to uh, whipping, the, whipping some of my guys in R&D right now to make sure that they're up on it. I, I can assure you that Ayrton is doing everything we can to get those numbers out to you guys and making sure that we don't send you anything with 600 degree beam angles. <laughs> Thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope that anybody's listening feels a little bit more uh, educated and aware of what GDTF is and what it is not.